The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and sat down by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood along the shore. And he spoke to them at length in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, where it had little soil. It sprang up at once, because the soil was not deep. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and it withered for lack of roots. Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. But some seed fell on rich soil, and produced fruit a hundred or sixty or thirty-fold. Whoever has ears ought to hear. The disciples approached him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? He said to them in reply, Because knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven have been granted to you, but to them it has not been granted. To anyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. From anyone who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because they look but do not see, and hear but do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in, in them, which says, You shall indeed hear, but not understand. You shall indeed look, but never see. Gross is the heart of this people. They will hardly hear with their ears, they have closed their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and be converted, and I heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. Amen, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. The seed sown on the path is the one who hears the word of the kingdom without understanding it. But the evil one comes and steals away what was sown in his heart. The seed sown on rocky ground is the one who hears the word and receives it at once with joy. But it has no root and lasts only for a time. When some tribulation or persecution comes because of the word, he immediately falls away. The seed sown among thorns is the one who hears the word, but in worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke the word 
and it bears no fruit. But the seed sown on rich soil is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields a hundred or sixty or thirty-fold. The Gospel of the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Praise God. So, uh, we're trying to do an experiment since it's illegal to have missalettes. That's why the pews are empty. We can't can't be sharing missalettes. So I figured we'll do a quasi-bulletin. Some of you grabbed it already, but this single sheets of paper. So it's a very simplified version. We'll print the, the mass readings for the Sunday on there so you can follow along. And then also uh, there's brief announcements that we have for the parish. But I also want you to take it home and keep it, especially for the week. So there's the list of the mass intentions for that week. And if I can ask, help me pray for those people on those mass intentions. Because remember, all the mass intentions that we have at every single mass, there's always a story behind each name and each intention. And oftentimes, there's a story of pain and suffering behind each name there. And so as, as a Christian body, we need to be lifting each other up in prayer. That's the strength of the Christian body, is to pray for one another. And so please take it home, add those names to your just your daily regimen as you're offering up your prayers. Because again, we don't realize how much suffering there is amongst uh, each other. And so to become part of our culture as a parish, it's to lift one another up with our powerful prayers. And so that's uh, so that's why I take it home, and the readings are there as well. And so make sure to kind of grab it when you come in every every Sunday. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love this, this gospel reading, by the way. And the readings today, we have an option to read the shorter version or the longer version. And I always choose the long version because I love torturing you. Huh? I love making you stand there all day and just listen to this gospel. But no, it's a beautiful reading because our Lord explains the parable here in the long version. This beautiful parable where he describes the word of God as a seed. And all of humanity falls under the one four of the categories. How each, every single person will receive the word. And I love that Lord's explanation. And whenever I read this, and whenever this reading comes along, it comes along every couple of years or so, I always think of my college roommate here. Every time I, I see this reading, I think of my college roommate. And I, so I'll just bear with me, I'll take a trip down memory lane. So when I was eventually going to Davis and I, and I transferred over, of course, if you remember when you were students, whether you've been to college or not, but you know when you're just venturing off on your own as an, as an adult, supposedly, huh? you're young. You remember how broke you were? You're always poor when we're young, when you're broke. And so, of course, especially when you go to college, you need to find roommates. And I heard, so I was about to transfer over. It was summertime. I was about to go to the fall, so I need to find somewhere to live. And you know Davis, and especially now, it's expensive. It's crazy oh, oh, oh. just to pay rent, how hard it is. And so I needed to network and try to find people to live with because I couldn't afford to live by myself. And so I had heard at Sacramento State, there was a Catholic young adult meeting there. 
and students from Davis and Sac State would come to this prayer meeting. I have it all perfect. I'll go there and I'll, I'll, I'll meet, I'll network with some Davis students and try to worm my way and try to find a roommate, someone's apartment I can, I can crash and live with. And also, when I was in college, as I've shared on many, many occasions, that was when the faith really started to take root in me. And I really started to grow in love with the Lord there and my faith in college to flourish there. And I said, oh, perfect. I'll, I'll go to a Catholic young adult group, meet fellow Catholics, and get a roommate. And that's where I met him. So I eventually moved in with him. And so imagine how poor we were. There were seven of us, seven guys in a three-bedroom apartment. Oh, that apartment. I still remember that place. Christopher, I'll take you there because you're going to Davis next fall. I'll take you to that place. The place still exists. Seven of us crammed in his, in his, in his three-bedroom apartment. Not only that, so I lived in the master bedroom. And there was three of us sharing the master bedroom. And we're just packing every single cranny of that the, the bedroom. Why? Because we just couldn't afford to live on our own. So you just pack as many people as possible. Of course, you don't tell management, right? You just pack everybody in there. And there were seven of us all off our own for the very first time. And oh, how disgusting that apartment was. <laughs> to give you an idea, our kitchen. Our kitchen smelled as bad as the dump there here in town. We had, for whatever, there was a period of time where nobody wanted to wash dishes. Nobody wanted to wash dishes. So every time we would eat our meals, the pile of dirty dishes would just grow bigger and bigger. In fact, we'd, we'd go walk in there, we're like, how big can this thing get? And we just find creative ways to add another dish to this, to this tower of dirty dishes. And eventually my, my roommate became that hero and he broke. He said, I'm just going to wash the dishes. And so he started to wash the dishes in this disgusting pile. This is how, this is how gross it was. Mice started to jump out of it. As he's washing the dishes, I heard him scream. It was hilarious. I said, well, what's going on? He says, mice are jumping out of this pile of dishes. And, and eventually did that. But it was amazing. He saved the day. When we were roommates, we did everything together. We go to Mass on Sundays. We pray the rosary. We go on retreats. We sing praise and worship songs in our apartment. That's where I learned how to play the guitar. was because we're in the, we're just practicing the guitar, singing praise and worship songs. We talk about the faith, and then eventually, when we graduated, you know the story. I, I felt called to the priesthood, and and then here I am. But then he stopped going to mass. He fell away from the faith. He's now because he's a medical doctor in uh, in Daly City in the Bay Area there, and I've always thought about it years after. We were at the same place in our in our faith life in college, loving the Lord. Why did the faith take root in me, not him? It's a great mystery. Or put it this way. You can have a, a strong Catholic Christian family. Same, the, the kids could be growing up in the same environment, same parents, same circumstances, pretty much the same life experiences. 
And then one sibling just is on fire for the Lord, loves Jesus Christ, loves his faith, just takes off in it. And then what about the other siblings? Some of them just falls away. Why does, in one heart, does a word take root and the other doesn't? And I think part of that answer is need. Need. And here I'll explain. In the Gospel of Matthew, so many times our Lord says that tax collectors and prostitutes are inheriting the kingdom of God first. Sinners crowded around Jesus always. And it was always the scholars of the law who were the ones who stayed away from the Lord. See, why are tax collectors and prostitutes always going to Jesus first? What, is it, what separates them from the others? It's because tax collectors and prostitutes know that they need God. They know that they are sinners and that they're broken and that by themselves they will not last. And they saw in Jesus the answer to their prayers. They needed Jesus. You see, when I was in college, one of, the, one of the great gifts, our Lord gave me two powerful gifts. That profound conversion experience when I was 18, and I've shared the story again with you often. When I was 18, what the Lord gave me, it made me realize was that nothing in this world will ever satisfy me. That nothing, no matter how much I accumulated, no matter how successful I would be in this life, no matter how great, that there will still be a gaping hole. You see, God showed that to me when I was 18, that nothing in this world will satisfy just that deep longing for more. See, that's why, again, look and examine our world, because what does the world tell us? Okay, what, is the, what does the world say? Just accumulate money, power, honor, pleasure. Just get more of it. Stuff it. Stuff your life with it. And then you'll be fine. But the world will always fail in that promise. It cannot live up to it. And the second powerful gift the Lord gave me in college. He removed the veil from the Eucharist. Because what is the Eucharist? Again, that strange Catholic doctrine that behind the physical signs of, of bread and wine, Jesus Christ is truly present. And remember, I shared that story how this beautiful young lady invited me to Eucharistic adoration and, and adoration in that packed little church at the Newman Center. Christopher, you'll see it when you go there in the fall. A little brick building. We all knelt on adoration, and I just cried like a little baby for 20 minutes. Because I realized, oh no, it's Jesus up there. And I realized I needed him. I needed the Eucharist. By the way, whether I'm a priest or not, I love the Mass. I thirst for the Mass. Because the words of Jesus in John 6, 53, where he beautifully says, 
Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. He's speaking about the reality of the Eucharist. To eat it, drink his blood. And I thirst for it. And I recently asked, if you were to ask my college roommate, why did you leave the church? Why did you leave? We'll give you two reasons. He says the first reason was the church's hard moral teachings. Because there are some teachings in our faith are directly contrary to the spirit of the world. And he was mad at that. Why doesn't the church just change her teaching? I mean, you pick it. Why doesn't it just conform to the world be like everybody else? But of course, we can't change the teachings of our Lord. And so that's the second seed, isn't it? When some tribulation or persecution comes because of the word, it falls away. It never bothered me, the church's tough moral stance. I knew if indeed the church was established by Christ, that I don't, then, then I humbly submit to the teachings of the church. Because that gives it us freedom. Truth will set you free, our Lord says. And so maybe at that time period, I could not articulate why we taught certain things. But I said, Lord, all right, this is your church. You've taught it for 2,000 years. Who am I to directly contradict it? So it was never a big problem, the moral teaching of the church. As hard as it is. Second, you asked my college roommate, why did you leave? Because when we graduated college, we graduated around early 2000s, and we all know what was happening in the church then, and we're still feeling the repercussions of it. The sex abuse scandal was just rocketing us at the very foundations. And he saw the witness of bad priests, and it broke his faith. Why now, seeing this same situation of bad priests, why did he break away from the church now? And here I am seeing that same thing, saying, oh, I'll become a priest now too. It was because if indeed Jesus is in the Eucharist, it doesn't matter then the witness of the priest. As long-winded or as sinful or as worldly as the priest is. Is the Eucharist what Jesus says it is? And if indeed we answer that question, yes, it is Jesus Christ, and unless I eat his flesh and drink his blood, I have no life in me then, then it doesn't matter who the priest is. It's a bonus. It's icing on the cake. It's a cherry on top, absolutely. But it's not the heart of the faith. When, as Christians, we recognize our need, then when we receive the word, it can finally take root in us. And so I want to ask all of you now, because it's a good reflection for us. Why are you here at Mass? Why? How do you answer that question? Because if you're here at Mass because that's out of habit, I mean, that's a great thing. But when the tribulation and persecutions come, habit will not support the faith. 
If you're here because you like the priest, well, as you know, we, we transfer in and out all the time. Popes change, priests change, bishops change. And so when tribulation and persecution comes, the priest cannot support your faith. Ah, but when the Christian now says, why am I here? Why are you still a faithful Christian? When the vast majority are not? And you say, Jesus, because the reason why I'm here is because I need you. I thirst for you. Now we begin to understand St. Paul in that second reading. Listen to St. Paul now. Listen, 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 listen. We know that all creation is groaning. We also groan within ourselves as we await the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. What is St. Paul talking about here? He recognizes his need, doesn't he? I'm groaning for Jesus Christ. I thirst for him. I will do anything to get to him. Do you see now why, unless we answer that question, why? And if we don't recognize that we need God, all of this is just for show. And the root will never take root in us. The seed will never take root. And it's a great thing when we recognize our sinfulness and our need for God. In fact, we pray for it. When they ask Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray. And of course, he gave us the Our Father. Notice the lines of the Our Father now. So we know the beginning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice that next line. Give us this day our daily bread. There's a presumption there. If I'm asking God to give me my daily bread, what am I indirectly saying? Jesus, I need you. I need you daily. I have something missing in my life. And so we beg God, God, give us our daily bread. Do you see, we pray, with that very prayer, when we, when we ask Jesus, show us how to pray properly. He told us, pray to increase your need. And when, my brothers and sisters, when we finally come to that point in our lives, when we finally say the world will not satisfy us, when we finally say that the reason why I'm here is because I need Jesus Christ, and when the soul, the Christian, can finally say that, when the Word of God comes into our lives and it encounters a soul with a needful soil, we will indeed bear fruit a hundred or sixty or thirty-fold. In the name of